0: The Sanctuary, a community of Jesus' people promoting the glory of God in all things to all nations through gospel-centered, missional living. Whether it be working with groups in Africa to build orphanages and help rid the continent of AIDS, or feeding the hungry, giving to the oppressed, and helping the hurting who live in our own community, The Sanctuary invites you to be part of a culture of passionate service. You can change your world. Be inspired. Join the movement. Life with Christ, being a Christian, being a Christ follower means following in the steps of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you that that is basically a long series of falling and rising. We started this journey toward Easter uh, back on Good Friday, back in March, which is kind of crazy. I said Good Friday, but Ash Wednesday. And we talked about uh, things that need to fall uh, in our lives back on Ash Wednesday, things that need to be torn down in our lives so that we can experience the full life that God has for us, and freedom, and holiness, and satisfaction in life. So though that's one way that we fall, that, that we need things in our life to fall, things that we need to remove from our life. But what else could that look like? Well, it could mean uh, making self-reliance fall in our lives. We can't satisfy ourselves on our own. Or sin, and I know that's a little old-fashioned concept for many of us today, but it may mean that sin... Uh, needs to fall in our lives. We have to come to terms with the fact that we rebel against God. And bec- with, because of that uh, rebellion, we can never know satisfaction in our souls. And then sometimes our circumstances call us to fall. Now we can fall to our circumstances or we can let them cause us to fall down and let them keep us down if we're not careful about that. What is our hope in each of these cases when we fall? When we fall, whether it's because of our sin or the things in our life that we're trying to deal with, or because of our circumstances, when we fall, what is our hope in each of those cases of falling? Do we just pull ourselves up and make the best of bad times? Do we put on a happy face? Do we smile and make them think that we're happy? We're not here today to talk to you about how good we are at rising. Because if you were here long enough and you got to know any of us very much, you'd know that we're not very good at rising. We're really good at falling. So we're not here this morning to tell you how good we are at raising ourselves up. I would say that every time that we try to raise ourselves up in our own power, we're only destined to fall again, whether that's in the same way that we did before or something else. But ultimately, our pride and our self-assurance that we can raise ourselves is going to cause us to fall. In that brief video that you just saw, those are people in here who are trying to tell you a little bit about how they've fallen. Some of them have fallen through life circumstances, some of them through sin, Some of them through trying to tear things down in their lives to get rid of them. But they are all rising in a new power to face today. How are they doing that? Romans chapter 8 says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Ephesians chapter 1 says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Jesus from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. And then in Colossians 3, it says, Since then, since then, past tense, you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. These people in the video and myself and our speaker today, we all want you to know that when we fall due to our wrestling with brokenness or our sins get the better of us or our circumstances knock the wind out of us, whenever we fall, we can rise because Jesus rose from the dead and that same power is at work in us today. We're not perfect, but God is working us into something that is better and good and like Jesus Christ. So we want you to hear our stories today a little bit. We like to do this on Easter. We like to share the stories of people who are walking with Jesus and what that might look like day to day as we struggle with falling and what it means to be empowered to rise. Today we're going to have the honor of hearing from someone um, who has walked with Jesus for a while, who God is working in them now to rise, and that's our friend Court Graves. I'm going to ask Court to go ahead and come on up uh, to the stage. So yeah, please welcome him. He and Carrie uh, are friends. His wife Carrie, they're, they're friends of ours that go back to the beginning and even before the beginning of the Sanctuary Fellowship. Um, He was one of our original board members here at the church. He's an ongoing friend of the work here at uh, TSF. Um, They have things that they're super proud of, but I'm going to say in particular, it's their children and grandchildren, um, and uh, they're super excited about what the Lord's done for them there. Court has been owner and operator at uh, Chick-fil-A. If you get Jesus chicken within about six miles of the church here, you're going to go to one of his places, um, the one in Greatwood and the one over here. He's uh, been married for 35 years. He's currently serving on several various boards. I really want you to listen to what Court has to say today. It's not about look at Court. It's about look what Jesus is doing in Court um, and about how God has given him the power to rise when he has fallen. So you guys, once again, just welcome Court Graves this morning.
1: Thank you, Joe. I appreciate it. Good morning. morning. What an amazing morning this is, yes? yes. Man. It's just, a, it's just a, del- a day of celebration, and um, we, I'm just so excited to be here and be able to share with you all on this special day. Carrie and I, um, we've been blessed to be a part of this church body really since its beginning, um, very small part of this body. Actually, before its beginning, I remember vividly when we invited Thomas Young to our little tiny ranch in Centerville, Texas, and he came out for a week. And I remember him telling us that he had this vision for a church in Rosenberg. And within a year of that, the church had started up. And I think about all that's transpired since then. Um, We do um, a visit as often as we can. And it just seems to me that whenever I'm here, I just really just feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. This is an amazing body of Christ. and so excited to be here. So it was in January of last year, that I got a call from a VP at Chick-fil-A, and one of his major responsibilities is to oversee the National Business Convention, held in February, mid-February of each year. So he says to me, Court, he said, we're expecting our biggest convention ever, over 6,000 attendees. And he said, the theme this year is stronger. So I'm thinking to myself, this is great, but why is he calling me? I mean, I, I knew Mark, but not very well. And then he said, in the history of the company, he said, we have never had an operator be a keynote speaker. And I'm thinking, oh, whoa! here comes the boom. And then he said, we want you to be a keynote speaker at our convention next month. And he said, your talk will be on the last day just before the president's talk. And I was shocked. I really don't do public speaking, very, very little. And I just asked him, I said, Mark, I said, why me? Why on earth do you want me to speak? And again, I just have so little, you can see the note cards. I don't pretend to be polished in any way. And he said something that I'll just never forget. He said, Court, the planning committee has been obviously planning this for a year. And he said, all I can tell you is your name just keeps popping up. And I said, what do you want me to talk about? And he said, Court. Just tell your story. Just tell your story. I would say that for every one of us in the room who knows Jesus as Lord and Savior, every single one of us has an amazing story to tell. Amen? Amen. An amazing story to tell. Joe's asked me to share that story today, and I'm really excited to do that. I just have two requests. Number one, if you would just pray right now that the Holy Spirit will be with us, and upon us during our time together, I would really appreciate it. If you do that, there's no telling what can happen. Secondly, please, be interactive with me. I love hallelujahs and amens. Please be expressive with me today. It will feed me. I appreciate that. Amen? Amen. Thank you. That's perfect. (laughs) We are ready to rock and roll. So here we go. Each of us has had stepping stones in our lives, events that God uses to at times radically change our lives today i want to share a stepping stone in my life and what god has taught me and is continuing to teach me through it on september the 8th 1997 i was awaiting results from the mris my doctor called me at two o'clock pm i was in my office at that point my doctor had been my doctor for about 10 years and we very much love Dr. Poole and feel very much loved by him. I wanted to give that context. He's still our, still our doctor today. And I immediately noticed that his tone was different. And I asked him, I said, did you find tumors? And he said, yes, we did. He said, we found four masses. And I said, four? Wow. I said, where are they? And then he paused. I had never heard him pause never heard him pause since and he said the words I'll never forget he said court they're in your liver and there's been a handful of times in my life not even a handful where I've heard news that was so shocking that I literally couldn't understand what was being said and that was one of those moments it just I couldn't get it the rest of the conversation was extremely difficult but because of my relationship with him I was able to force him to be very direct. He told me that I had metastatic cancer. He told me that my odds of surviving just a few years were very slim. I told him, just keeping me comfortable for the rest of my days and medicating me wasn't an option. I told him, my God is a healing God. He's not done with me yet, amen? (laughs) We finished our talk, I got up, I closed my office door, I remember like it was yesterday, I dropped to my knees and I wept. I don't know how long it was, it seemed like it was forever, it was probably 20 minutes. I remember getting back up, drying my eyes, putting on sunglasses, people couldn't see that I had been weeping, and I made my way down to my car to drive the longest trip home of my life. It was a 30 minute trip home. And I had to tell my bride that I was dying. All I could think about during the trip were my children, my precious kids. I have one of them here today, Candice and my son-in-law, Nemo. And I just remember crying out to God, Lord God, please, I need to live for my children, Lord God. They need their daddy. And I just cried out to God the entire trip home. I wish I could tell more of that story. There really isn't time today. Medical update. Fast forward almost 22 years. I've had 15 cancer surgeries in my life. I've had surgeries done on my liver, a kidney and adrenal gland removed, tumors removed by my heart, in my back, in my stomach, parts of ridge removed. I've got several feet of scars. These tumors are especially rare, they're about one in a million. And they're deadly because they secrete massive amounts of adrenaline. In fact, just standing here before you, I have anywhere from 10 to 20 times that of a normal person. And they don't respond to radiation or chemo. All you can do is cut them out. Several years ago, it's amazing how time flies, but I remember with Carrie and I, we were sitting across a table from Dr. Poole, and I remember him leaning forward. He's become one of the world's foremost experts on metastatic VOs. And he looked at us, and he said, "Court." You are now the longest living survivor in the world with metastatic Theos. Praise God. Praise God. I asked myself this question why me? Why has He allowed me to live longer than anyone else with metastatic Theos? <laughs> it. Um, It's never made any sense. He could have chosen so much better than me. Why me? I don't know. I'll never know. But what I do know is this, that I'm such an idiot. I'm so messed up. My shortcomings are so profound that out of his infinite love for me, he gave me the incredible gift of a thorn in my side to put me back on course, his path for my life I've continued to learn so much through all this. I want to spend the next few minutes sharing some truths that I learned over the years. Truths that I believe have not only made me stronger, but have kept me alive. Truths that have enabled me to rise up. Amen? Here we go. The first truth. Balance. Balance. The best interview that I've ever heard in my life was with John Wooden, some people would say one of the best coaches of all time. He said wisely that the two most important words in the English language are love and balance. Balance. I've been around a lot of death these past 20 years. Partly because of all my time in and out of ICUs and hospitals, my ministry to people that are terminally ill, my time in third world countries, I've been around a lot of death. And I've had skirmishes with it myself. What I've learned personally, personally, is that when you're face to face with it, images do pass before you. During those moments, my absolute priorities have become emphatically clear. In my case, all I've thought about, all I've seen, were people whom I love far more than life itself. That's it. I've seen my savior. My beautiful bride, my family, and my closest of friends. I call them my life brothers. When facing death, nothing else has ever crossed my mind. I love my work at Chick-fil-A. I love my animals at the ranch. I love other things dearly. Those things have never crossed my mind when I thought I was dying. Keep faith, family, and your closest of friends your absolute priority, and you will always have balance in your life. We rise up when our lives are balanced with Jesus right at the center. Amen? Amen. Amen. Lordship, second truth. I mentioned when I was driving home that fateful day to tell my wife the news, I had one thing on my mind. My precious kids. In the weeks, months, and years to come, he taught me in his infinite love and patience, that he loves my children far more than I ever could, that he cares for my children far more than I ever could, and that should he decide to take me home, he'll provide for them far better than I ever could. That just rocked my world, learning that. I was able, for the first time, to truly turn my children over to God. He became Lord over my children. They belong to Him. They don't belong to me or Carrie. They belong to Him. Amen? Amen. Since then, I've surrendered one stronghold after the next, giving Him lordship over what or whom I deem to be most precious in my life. My children, my marriage, my work, my health. My relationships, my finances, my future. Making him truly Lord over each stronghold in my life. Here's the key. With many more to still turn over. This is a lifelong process. Please listen. Very important. It's one thing for him to be Savior of your life. The most important decision you'll ever make. But it is quite another. For him to be Lord over your life. Amen? Giant difference. Make him Lord over your life and you will rise up. Amen. Third point, Third truth. Transcendence. I would define transcendence as translating to living life above our circumstances. He has shown me that one of the purest forms of joy comes only through adversity. That my greatest learnings without exception, have come through the trials and the pain. We should never whine or complain about anything in our lives. Never. Do we really believe, believe that all things work together for good? Romans eight twenty eight. Do we really believe that nothing can separate us From the love of God, Romans 8, 37, 39. Do we really believe that we're to trust the Lord with all of our hearts and lean not on our own understanding? Proverbs 3, 5. Do we really believe, believe that we're to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks? People ask me this question a lot. It comes up several times every year. And they ask me this. They say, Court, have you ever questioned God? Have you ever questioned God? I know it sounds really strange, but I haven't. Listen, please. My views. Life doesn't have to be complicated, it's all about rising up above our circumstances. Once you learn that, once you have. Inculcated that at the deepest level, you're free. You are free indeed. John 8 36. A few months ago, I believe the Holy Spirit put a few words on my mind, seven words. I didn't hear a voice, but somehow they were planted deeply within me. To this day, I think of them all the time. He constantly Is reminding me of these words. Here are the words Either you trust me or you don't. Either you trust me or you don't. Either you trust me or you don't. It's clear. There's no middle ground. Every single day, we have to answer this question many times through our actions, through our faith. Either we trust him or we don't. What is your true rock, your true foundation? Mine is, as I say, as for me, I will watch expectantly for the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me, Micah 7, 7. Joe said this earlier, happened to have the same verse. He has used and continues to use this thorn in my side to bless me. I praise him for the adversity. I thank him for his providence. I glorify him as Lord, I worship him for his unconditional love and sacrifice. I choose transcendence through him, for him and because of him. He can be and is to be glorified in all of our circumstances. In no way is he limited by our circumstances. I've seen him glorified in death as well as in life, in tragedies, as well as in miracles. It is who he is. He is God. God. I know you can do all things, O oh Lord, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Job 42, two. Those who live life above our circumstances, they rise up. They rise up. The fourth truth, legacy. On my bedroom dresser, I have a pretty photo with this quote on it. The true meaning of life is to plant trees under whose shade you do not expect to sit. Being a simple-minded man, I've come to believe that life is really about two things. It's about making memories and touching lives. It's what we take with us, and it's what we leave behind. As I get older, it seems the most simple of pleasures are fueling my greatest memories. I love being with my wife, with my dogs, in the privacy of my home, watching Hallmark movies. (laughs) I know I just checked my man card. I'm fixing to get it back. (laughs) I love sitting around the fire pit with loved ones, and I'm going to get it out there, with a Mountain Dew in one hand and a cigar in the other. It just doesn't get any better for me. I call Mountain Dew the green nectar of the gods with a small g. I love every moment with my children and their families. Having to feed the animals early every morning, I love watching every sunrise unfold as just a magnificent piece of art painted just for me. I love kissing our grandbaby. Is there, is there anything more amazing? Sorry. I love digging into a plate of Texas barbecue. It just makes me happy. <laughs> I love ministering to folks when they least expect it. It's the simple things. It's every day. Every moment is filled with causes of celebration, gifts from our loving God. We need to make memories. It's what should we take with us. And yes, we need to touch lives. When you live life like you're dying, I love the Tim McGraw song. You think about legacy all the time. Every day. Sometimes every hour of every day. First and foremost, the mark you leave on loved ones how you've been used for God's kingdom, for his purposes, your generational impact on lives through your work, through volunteering and other service. What will they say about our lives? Five years. Ten years. Twenty years after we've passed. Will they say anything at all? It's all about what we take with us and what we leave behind. May we rise up through the lives that we live. Lives for His purposes and His glory. Amen? Amen. And I'm wrapping up. This is the last point. I'm going to take my jacket off for this one. This may be a surprise for you. I become sensitized over the past 20 years to seeing how the enemy loves to use fear to paralyze people. There is no room for fear in our lives. Fear not, for I am with you. For I am the Lord, your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 41.10 We must abandon our fears and trust Him knowing full well That whatever pain and suffering we have to endure, God is molding us. He's equipping us like never before. The final truth. At times we are called to fight. To fight. The best things in life are all worth fighting for. Amen? It seems like in today's culture this topic is avoided. But the best things are all worth fighting for. We need to fight for our marriages, tooth and nail. Listen to me now, I'm speaking to a number of you. The enemy is trying to divide you. Don't let it happen. Men, fight for your queen. I've had to fight for mine. There's no battle more worthy. Amen? We need to fight for our children and our grandchildren's future. We need to fight for our freedoms. We need to fight to always do what's right despite the consequences. Satan, he hates us. He hates us. The thief comes only to steal and kill and to destroy. John 10:10. 10, 10. It's who he is. We have to fight. We may be called to fight loss, devastation, deep and relentless pain, betrayal, hopelessness, addiction, depression. Satan has a litany of tools at his disposal. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. James 4, 7. Sometimes we need to fight to be kind and loving to everyone that we come in contact with. Treating them with honor, dignity, and respect despite the enemy's heavy opposition. It seems to me, forgive me, but there's a lot of folks, good folks and not so good folks, that go through life and they're not willing to fight for anything. Here's the crazy thing. It's a paradox in my life. Hear me out, please. I've been blessed with a terminal illness. I've had the privilege of being forced to fight. I know it sounds crazy, but I actually get excited before going to the hospital for major surgery. I'm like a warrior yearning for battle. I train mentally, spiritually, and physically. Mentally. I choose joy, and I refuse to be enslaved by incessant worrying. It's a mindset. It's simply a mindset, nothing more. Remember, either you trust me or you don't. Trust him, for he and he alone is worthy. Amen? Amen. We're told to be anxious for nothing. Philippians 4, 6. I surround myself with loved ones who sharpen me. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Proverbs 27, 17. Their fellowship, it strengthens me. I read, I bury myself in the word, I pray. Most importantly, I seek the prayers of prayer warriors. There is no one on earth more powerful than a prayer warrior. Amen? And I train physically. One tiny advantage to having massive amounts of adrenaline is I can work out intensely. I train all year, and I take one week a year to put my body to the test. The last few years, specifically, I've seen how many push-ups I can do In one week. Again, limiting myself to one workout per day. Last December, during the week of December 15th through the 21st, I did 21,250 push-ups. Physically, I feel ready for any battle that comes my way. Most of us will literally have to fight for our life. Hopefully when you're old, but perhaps not. Please listen. I've seen too many people ill-prepared, not ready to fight, go into the hospital and never leave. We have to do the very best we can, the very best, and trust God for the rest. When we do our part and we allow him, we trust him to do his, he blesses us with peace, a peace which surpasses comprehension. It's the most beautiful thing. It's not complicated. It's profoundly simple. It's all about trust. Trust. We must be ready for whatever battles come our way, and we all know that they're coming our way. Amen? Whatever the battle, we must see ourselves as warriors prepared to fight, putting on the full armor of God. Ephesians 6 11. In closing, be strong and courageous. Be not dismayed, for the Lord your God is with us wherever we go. Joshua 1.9. May each of us grow in wisdom, strength, and courage with every passing day. Whatever lies before us, may we always be ready to fight the good fight. 1 Timothy 1.18. My brothers and sisters, may we rise up. He has risen. Praise God. He has risen. We can do all things. Not some things, not most things. We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Philippians 4:13. We overwhelmingly conquer through him. Romans 8:37. I praise God for the blessings of the thorn. Thank you. My God bless you. I love every one of you. Thank you.